This is a podcast by the Business Times, presented by UOB. Internationalization will be the differentiator for growth as companies are enabled to generate more sources of growth, strengthen supply chains, and fortify resilience. Now, overseas expansion, though, comes with its challenges, but in the ever-evolving world of business, internationalization is not an option, but a necessity for a company to thrive. For more insights, today we speak to Jimmy Cole, Managing Director and Head, Network Partnerships and Strategic Marketing, Group Foreign Direct Investment Advisory. Welcome to the Business Times Future of Finance podcast. Jimmy, happy to have you. Hey, hi. Let's first talk about your Business Outlook Study 2022. It says over 60% of Singapore SMEs are interested in that overseas expansion we were talking about. The SBF says that the number of SMEs interested in working towards expansion has reached almost pre-COVID levels. Why is this? What's fueling this interest among SMEs? I think partly because if you look at Singapore, we have always been not a country whereby it's a destination, but it's always part of the journey. Companies coming in, exploring into the region, as well as Singapore, companies exploring outside Singapore. Actually, that's not new. Just that during COVID, a lot of corporates, countries, all became inward-looking because of the challenges brought about by COVID. But I think in a post-COVID world, they're expanding outside again. If you look at Singapore, exports accounts for more than three times of our GDP. So clearly, expanding into the region to create scalability is not something that's surprising for Singapore corporates. But more importantly, I think we are also seeing other trends whereby now companies are coming into the region. And I think one of the key things is that given the geopolitical issues that we are seeing in the West, today we are seeing a diversification of supply chain from companies and corporates operating in China have to relook at diversifying the supply chain. It brings us back into the 80s and 90s, where remember there were this part of the four dragons or the four tigers in the region, including Taiwan, Hong Kong, Korea, and Singapore, and corporates were producing here. The main change was in 2001 when China and the WTO, corporates started to move out there. China became the manufacturing hub of the world. But given the complexity of geopolitics today, the possible breakdown of supply chain from a trade-based concept to now friend-based concept in trade, a lot of corporates have to start to really diversify their supply chain from China into other parts of the world. And Southeast Asia, Singapore became one of the key beneficiaries of this. So that's how we are seeing that whole corporates coming into Singapore as well as exploring outside Singapore into the ASEAN. Essentially, I think the message is that they are all using Singapore as a springboard to expand into the region. But SMEs do want to expand. Of course, they face challenges. We were talking about Mm. that earlier. Lack of knowledge, not able to find the right partners in those Mm. new markets and all that. And there are this slew of government and banking support programs Mm. available. So, And yet there is still this mm, lack of impetus, if you will. What's going on? A lot of the corporates, when you talk about expanding into the region, we are talking about Southeast Asia countries. Southeast Asia countries, well, we say that ASEAN 10. While ASEAN is an integrated economic bloc, But actually, ASEAN has very diverse culture, 
background, language, heritage. I mean, just between Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, language itself is a challenge, especially when corporates start to explore. So while ASEAN is integrated, ASEAN is actually very diverse. So what a bank like us do within the whole ASEAN is that we help customers coming into this part of the world to explore into the region through Singapore as a springboard. We have a network in Thailand, in Malaysia, in, in Singapore to help customers to explore Southeast Asia as a region rather than as individual countries. Mm. What do you think, though, are other things that hold SMEs back from expanding? It's like you don't expand, you can't survive, you know, at yeah. this point. Most of these corporates around the world, where they come from big countries, they have the option of staying on shop. Indonesian companies exploring outside Indonesia. If you can manage your business well, you have a 250 million population to work with. You yeah, have 60 the domestic million, market, right? big enough. We have 5 million yeah. or 5 plus million, <laughs> right? So once it reach a certain scale, you really need to explore outside the country. And you today talk about is that in every business is becoming more commoditized, margin is thinning. You need that scale. And sometimes as a small country, we just can't have that scale until you started to expand overseas. But overseas expansion comes with its challenges. And that's why you work with an organization that will be able to help you to connect the region as one. Jimmy, tell us a bit more about how you're doing banking differently. Banking is increasingly becoming commoditized. In fact, digital has also changed the banking landscape significantly. Every business has to find its differentiator in a commoditized world. So when corporates come into this part of the world, the last thing actually they need is banking facilities. That's not the first thing. So what this unit that I'm part of, we actually help customers when they explore into Southeast Asia. What are some of their key challenges? It's not banking facility. It's working with the various government agencies to look at what are the maybe tax benefits, subsidies that they can leverage upon depending on the industry that they are part of. The tax structure, the legal structure, even including manpower availability. So what this unit does is that we actually help customers to connect to government agency across the region, whether it's through EDB in Singapore, MIDA in Malaysia, BKPM in Indonesia, and linking them into all these various agencies to facilitate when they come into this part of the world. This is what we term beyond banking or even what we call before banking. So how do you do that? And when we facilitate for customers, actually, to be honest, these are all for free. You know, we don't charge mm. customers a single fee. But in the process, we hope customers will reciprocate by giving us that banking business facilities when they need that facilities. And hopefully, there will be less bargaining on price, etc. Because we are offering a totally different set of solution when customer comes into the region. And I think that is all about being different in the very commoditized world. And I think that should not just be applied to banking. It should be applied to every single business. We ask ourselves, why do we deserve to stay in the game? What are we doing differently that the customer must give us this business. And every business needs to find its own differentiator to remain in the game. Still to come, making your business bigger seems a no-brainer. But maybe they're fixating on the challenges rather than the benefits. More with Jimmy Ko in a moment. This episode of Future of Finance is presented by UOB. And now, back to our podcast. 
We've been speaking to Jimmy Cole, who's the Managing Director and Head of Network Partnerships and Strategic Marketing Group Foreign Direct Investment Advisory at UOB. So we were talking about, of course, you'll be more profitable if you grow revenue growth as well. Are there other sort of non-financial and maybe longer term benefits for an SME as they expand overseas? I think increasingly what you see around the world is that we are moving from globalization to regionalization. There are new economic blocks that is surfacing out. The last 30 years or 20 years where we post China and the WTO, it was actually the sweet spot in terms of globalization. And we have seen that at its max rating. The world going forward with the complexity created by China, US tension, various parts of the world with geopolitics, what we are seeing is a structural change in the whole geopolitical arena. The next three to five years, you will see more of corporates evolving out into a different region with different economic block. ASEAN is an interesting economic block. We have corporates coming into ASEAN as part of the whole supply chain diversification. So today, besides the supply chain diversification, we are seeing corporates around the world coming into ASEAN to tap on the rising middle income. Today, rising middle income accounts for 25% of ASEAN population, which is about 150 million. We will see these numbers doubling to 300 million by 2030. And I think corporates today look at ASEAN as a very interesting block. In fact, there are discussions that we look around the world. ASEAN is actually one of the most stable bases, both economically and politically. And we are seeing that ASEAN is becoming an interesting magnet for diversification of supply chain, for the rise in middle income. And we have uh, use cases of how we help corporates facilitate to ride on these two big mega trends. Mm, because your study also showed, right, that three in five Singapore businesses said their supply chains were affected by those geopolitical tensions mm. you were talking about. Israeli-Palestinian conflicts, I'm mm. sure, comes into play. And while no one has a crystal ball, how do you see supply chain management issues playing out in the longer term. Is it the Israel-Palestinian conflict is just one of the data points. I think the bigger mega trend is actually the whole geopolitics from the whole China-US tension. And we all know that China for the last 30 years has been the manufacturing hub of the world. Things are all being manufactured in China, exported to every other part of the world, particularly in the West. And that relationship is becoming a lot more complex and a lot more challenging. So a lot of corporates today in our conversation, they are all exploring out from what we call China plus one or even greater China plus one. ASEAN is benefiting from some of this. We have seen flows into Vietnam, which is now one of the key manufacturing space. Not easy because when you look at China as a manufacturing hub globally, there's no other countries that have that scale, mm. that skill that Chinese have built. And even if you move to other parts of the world, is it China undertook this for the last 30 years, right? Even beyond China and the WTO in 2001. And even the whole education system was built around that to support the manufacturing of goods for corporates around the world. So when you want to move to other parts of the region, I think they are all diversifying, but it is not easy. So what we are seeing is that the production is today China for China, 
those that is needed to be exported to other parts of the world may be diversified out from. And when you look at besides the geopolitics, and I think the COVID episode also highlighted there will be things that could potentially could go wrong. Never put all your eggs in one basket and rely on one central system. So that whole diversification of supply chain is becoming a lot more real today as compared to where we before. And corporates, shareholders, board will not allow any organisation to be just totally rely on one area just for this. It's hard, though, because you bring up COVID and what happened during COVID as well was this rise in protectionism Mm. from region to region. So how are we going to get over those kinds of obstacles or has that mindset shifted? You see, how the whole global arena will evolve out is beyond our control. Mm. Whether as a country, as a corporate entity, we just need to learn how to live with some of this. But to be honest, You see, the last 20 years, the whole supply chain was very tight. In fact, it was following the whole, what we call the Toyota model, whereby everything was just done for just in time. Today, with all the complexity, organizations are adopting a more just-in-case approach. And as a result of that, there are certain areas that is spilling off into ASEAN, into Malaysia, into Thailand, into Vietnam, launched from Singapore. And to be honest, that actually have somewhat benefited us one way or the other because of the changes. Along the way, when you look at a supply chain that's extremely tight, it's so tight that there's very little roles for us to play. But when the world starts to what we call we are seeing a tectonic change, we benefit from some of these changes and we need to find ways as country, as corporate to write on those changes where we can meaningfully participate. Whether is it from a supply chain diversification or we are also seeing corporates coming in to tap on the middle-income rise, consumer demand, etc. And in the process, there's job creation. This entity that I'm part of, Foreign Direct Investment Advisory, over the last three, four years, we have uh, helped to create about 180,000 jobs through facilitating some of this FDI into the region. Actually, during COVID, about 9 million jobs were lost across the region and we are trying to find ways to see how we can top it up as a result of some of this structural change globally. Jimmy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Jimmy Co, Managing Director and Head Network Partnerships and Strategic Marketing Group Foreign Direct Investment Advisory. I'm Howie Lim. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to sharing more in the next episode as you navigate the future of finance. This episode of Future of Finance was presented by UOB. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.